Welcome back to The Original Doll. I am your host, James Rodriguez Horton. On The Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who created it. We go behind the scenes and learn about all these great moments in pop music history. And what's great is I'm able to share the messages, DMs, you know, emails of love from the listeners about specific songs. And of course, we can't spend the whole hour asking the same question over and over. So I tend to condense the questions so that we can get right to it and learn as much as we can about these great artists, these great creatives, these guests of the original DAO. Now today, we're going to be talking about Impossible Princess, Kylie Minogue. And this is important because when you listen about the creation of this album, when you listen to our returning guest, Steve Anderson, talk about the direction and how it was received. Many of you who are Britney Spears fans are going to think, ah, this sounds similar to Britney Spears' fifth studio album, Blackout, which at the time many people thought was too, you know, off-center from what she was normally doing. And in fact, many other artists, including Kelly Clarkson and Rihanna, have talked about the influence of the Blackout album on their work and music in general. So we talk about that because both Blackout and Impossible Princess, at first, many people didn't know what to do. What were they going to do with it? You know, the, the albums leading up to that, they said, how possibly can this artist, you know, surpass what they've done in their previous album? And that's where we are today with Impossible Princess and Blackout. Because now, you know, years and years, decades later, you're actually seeing something quite interesting. Many consider these albums the best albums of those artists, respectively. That Blackout is one of those career-defining moments, and many consider Impossible Princess the same way with Kylie Minogue. So I wanted to talk about that because I think it's important for us to, we're going to be deep diving into Blackout uh, soon, and I thought it was important for the listeners of the original Dial to listen about how this album, Impossible Princess, was received. And as many of you know, Britney Spears and Kylie Minogue have had uh, many of the same collaborators throughout their career. So we're going to get right to it. But a big shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for uh, joining me and adding. And for as little as a dollar a month, everyone else, you can just donate a dollar a month and you're able to help keep this, the original doll, open and free for all. And as with every episode of the original doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So let's go ahead and get right to this with returning guest Steve Anderson, and we learn about Impossible Princess. For those who have never heard it before, have no fear. You can go ahead and download it. You can purchase it. It's worth purchasing and put it on your headphones, and we're going to talk specifically why. But my name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. The Original Doll. I had somebody that said we had Frederico Portugal, uh, the Impossible Princess album. This album got me through the time that I was coming out with my family and friends. I started finding my own what we now call chosen family. And it was because of songs like Too Far Dreams, Say Hey, Did It Again. These songs changed my life because they were there when I needed it. So can you please let Steve and everyone else involved know that these played a huge part in my life and really, I believed, helped my my mental health at the time. Can you please ask about those songs or Impossible Princess? Because this is grade A music. Wow. Well, thank you so much. That's incredibly lovely of you. And I'm 
I'm so I'm always um, touched by those stories because it's an album that um, was tremendously successful in Australia, probably wasn't tremendously successful anywhere else. But um, I still believe to this day that I don't know any other pop star that has would be able to have written the songs that she wrote and and been as brave to kind of go with it and and put them out and we were making i mean the very original impossible princess album was 10 brothers in rhythm tracks and i think a couple of grid tracks so there's no manic street preachers tracks um really yeah yeah we were making a massive attack tricky garbage kind of record and that's what it kind of sounded like um and it was only when we delivered it and and possibly fair enough bmg got slightly cold feet and thought oh god is there a single on here <clears throat> that they went to um to james dean bradford and the manics and they did some kind of bliss which was fantastic by the way and i don't need anyone as fantastic as well but um we were just at real world and because i think we'd already because confided in me had happened and we knew that and she made the nick cave record as well so we were aware that people were happy to give her a bit of a break so we just delved right in um to those to those songs and really just let her completely be as creative as a writer um that because she wasn't really in the first album the confiding me album she wasn't involved really in the songwriting um but i knew she was an amazing writer and obviously that's been proven again and again and again um and that album was just we were in a little tiny room at real world and you know she would we'd get up it was a, a a residential studio so you're staying in these little kind of cottages and stuff and then you meet in for breakfast and you know she'd come out with these lyrics i mean say hey was a fully formed song like lyrical song by the time it came to us we just put it in the space it needed to be in um too far was again lyrically she had the full idea for too far she knew kind of where it was i think we wrote some of that at psalm um but we were not being we were not being limited by anything we didn't have there was no anr person to say this is what kylie needs to sound like it was we were fully fully supported by the label and just let ourselves completely go um arguably too much arguably maybe we should have been reined in a bit and the thing would have been a bit more successful but i love i love the love that people like that have for this album because it it really means a lot and i think it's uh i think it's an i think it's an extraordinary piece of work from her and uh and and, and we've been very lucky as in my other job as her musical director, we, one of my favorite shows we've ever done is a show we did called Anti-Tool where it's just playing B-sides and album tracks. And there was a lot of Princess on that. And, uh, and Princess is, uh, it's, it's anniversary this year as well. So it's yeah, 25 years. Happen out for a quick second because I thought this was one of the most amazing things ever. Imagine a pop star doing an anti-tour not doing all the singles and things like that, doing B-sides, unreleased, you know, the original versions of some of these songs. Imagine that. So now think, what would your kind of Kylie Minogue or Britney Spears or Janet Jackson Madonna anti-tour set list be? Let me know. Hit me up on TikTok. Let me know in the comments on there. 
the James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Also, you can find me and follow me on Instagram, dot, dot, original, dot, dot. But I just thought this was one of the most amazing things that a pop star could do. Because, of course, we love all the hits over and over. But imagine a show that was just filled with those deep cuts, those B-sides and more. Okay? Let me know what you think. TikTok, Instagram. Back to the show. That was somebody, somebody was like, you know, we're at the 25th anniversary. I came into Kylie's music pretty late, but I listened to one of your original, original dial episodes where you mentioned, if you'd like an artist now, go back to the beginning projects. And what I realized is Impossible Princess, to me, is the same thing as Blackout was to Britney. It was the game changer. And for me, I felt like you can see more of the artist. That may just be my thing. But I do think that we got the realest Kylie at that moment. And I think it was badass. And of course, people are going to say, oh, the numbers weren't great. But I think artistically, this created the icon that we still love today in 2022. So thank you to Mr. Anderson for that. I thank you for that. Um, I agree as well. I feel like everything is a journey and I feel like you have to go there to come back. And I think without Impossible Princess and without... Um, I mean, I'll give you the example when Impossible Princess came out and did well in Australia. It was the first time, uh, apart from a Mardi Gras show I did, it was the first time that she'd asked me to be a musical director for her. And it was in Australia. And we went, myself and her creative at that time, William Baker, went to Australia and put together that show. But one of the things in it was this big version about the devil you know, and also was Dancing Queen, which she ended up doing at the Olympics, which effectively bought the next era of of spinning around Kylie and so I think every if you track every great artist even if there's something that looks like a dip it's a thing that it's a, something that needs to happen to be able to the next thing so it's like scratch that itch if she'd have gone straight from that into the first record into a pop record I don't think it would have been the same I think it had to be done for her to then really think okay now I'm ready to come back and embrace disco and dance music and that's one of those things where myself as as somebody who goes through like once I'm a fan of an artist I tend to be like that loyal fan because there's something about them that makes me keep going because mm -hmm. there's the unexpected you know there are there are certain albums of of Britney's that I go back to more than others and then there are certain you know songs of even Kylie's that I go back to and I'm like oh like chocolate is one of those just in general where mm -hmm. I was like I totally was like I went I went past it and then I saw the video and I was like wait, wait, oh, okay, okay, let's go. And it made me love the song even more and go back through. And then when I was on Chocolate, you know, then I was like, ooh, but too far. Hey, like all these songs, like all these songs made me, just, it triggered me to go, oh, I'll listen to that. So it kind of like changed the, the waves in my brain to like it. But the thing is, Impossible Princess, it was a number four album in, in Australia. It's platinum in Australia. And- what I always say is people are like, you know, what is it about Australia? I said, here's the thing. If you're a fan of pop music, if you're a fan of Pink, Pink is one of the most successful artists in Australia. Yeah. Hands down, like you go through everything. And so I go, so clearly they get something right there, you know? And, and you, so yeah. I'm like, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm pre princess as well. I mean, if for nothing else, from a selfish point of view, it, it it's the thing that got me to Australia. It's the thing that, I got asked to do this incredible job that I've been doing ever since, which is with so much pride of being the musical director for her. And, um, and as I know you're a fan of headphone stuff. So if you do listen to too far in headphones in the very middle section, you'll hear some bees. 
there are some bees that will spin around your head because we wanted it to feel claustrophobic. So just in the middle, before you get to the uh, uh, the really quiet one before it goes up, in that little thing, it phases, so it makes you feel a bit nauseous, and there's the sound of some bees in there. i just give you that, because I know you like headphone listening. Oh, my, I love it. And now the listeners are going to be like, wait, what? what where's is the bees? It, it, where's the bees at? Um, and see, this is the part where it's like all these songs, and what I love is there are going to be listeners on here who might not know like some of these, these album cuts and everything, they're going to go back and now they're going to listen to those and hear yeah. these things. Cause that's, that's the fun part. So when, when I, as a, a fan of, of, of music in general, when I'm like, you know, the, you know, princess to me, and I agree with, um, with the, the listener was that game changer thing. It was like mm. what we could say blackout was for Britney where, you yeah. know, it went a completely different way and it makes sense now that evo it was like that natural evolution yeah and so let me ask you this though about the the music directing side how do you ultimately as the music director go if whether it's helping with the set list or figuring out harmonies or which version or anything but how do you make sure that you help keep it fresh for an artist when they've had a ton of songs because after a while people are like I don't want to do a greatest hits album, which I guess that's why, you know, the, the anti-tour happened, but how do you make sure you give people what they want by keeping it fresh for the artists themselves? Um, thankfully, thank God, um, I'm a remixer. So that's my background. So I have this weird thing um, where I can pretty much hear a song in another version in my head um if someone says and i'm by the way i work with the best creatives and the best creative directors and the best choreographers and through someone like kylie who is the best you know you you associate with the best so uh, someone would say to me oh you know we're doing so i'll give you an example of um there was a show that she did called aphrodite which was um with fountains and water and mad things like that and um william baker said that he heard he wanted to do her song slow but he wanted to put it into a burlesque setting with this kind of beautiful spinning wheel and in my head within two seconds i turned it slow into a peggy lee song and i just did and then i just put my hands on the keys and do it so as far as re like reinventing reworking stuff i think sometimes you can really go like there you can go really really there. but then sometimes it's about just refreshing stuff um and just keeping it interesting and exciting so sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel you just have to make it do you know to, to, to make it exciting and also fit with the album so if you're doing an old song if it's going to be in a show which is promoting a current album that old song needs to fit sonically with the new production so um so I, I take my 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 main thing from what the concert is what the creative is um and just put my remix hat on 
and uh, and and yeah, and then just start working out ways of trying to make to rework the old stuff. And we've gone. Sometimes we just go back to the original. Sometimes you know, I've gone from doing a version of "I Should Be So Lucky." I think in Fever, I think we did where I took all the key changes out and made it like a trance thing to just going back to recreating the Stock Aitken and Waterman version or doing it as a torch song or doing it as with an orchestra. So I, I'm a huge fan of Quincy Jones. Um, once said that he, in his head, he hears how a record should be in his head and then he figures out how to make it. And that's kind of the way I work, I work as well without wanting to compare myself to him. But I just, I, I get the idea of how it could be and then just figure out a way of doing it. We have more with Steve Anderson coming up, including our discussion of Grow, Britney Spears' unreleased Blackout track, and more. My name is James Rodriguez Horton. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll, Twitter, at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, TikTok, the James Rodriguez, and make sure you check and subscribe on your preferred Spotify or Apple podcast streaming device. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. The Original Doll.